Welcome to the weekly worship service from St. Paul's Lutheran Church and School in Bourbon A and Kankakee. In today's service, you will hear readings from God's Word, a message from our pastor, the Lord's Prayer, and a blessing for you and your family. But first, a few announcements about our ministry at St. Paul's. We invite you to join us for our weekly 5 p.m. Saturday worship service at our church located at 348 East Merchant Street in downtown Kankakee. We also hold weekly Sunday morning worship services at 8.30 and 11.05 at our school site, located at 1780 Career Center Road in Bourbon A. If you have any health reasons that might keep you away from in-person worship, please consider one of our alternative worship services, such as our worship page on our website, our weekly WKAN broadcast, and through our Facebook stream. You may also request an audio copy or opt for our podcast. All worship services and church information are available on our website at stpaulslutheran.net. The latest information on our response to the pandemic is available by clicking the COVID-19 tab at the top of the page. For more information about St. Paul's Lutheran Church and School, please call the church office at 815-932-0312. And now we pray that you are blessed by the Word of God in today's worship. This morning comes from the book of Isaiah, chapter 7, verses 10 through 17. Again, the Lord spoke to Ahaz, Ask the sign of the Lord your God. Let it be deep as Shiloh, or high as heaven. But Ahaz said, I will not ask, and I will not put the Lord to the test. And he said, Hear then, O house of David, is it too little for you to weary men? that you weary my God also. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the sign shall, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and shall call his name Emmanuel. 
He shall eat curds and honey when he knows how to refuse the evil and choose the good. For before the boy knows how to refuse the evil and choose the good, the land whose two kings you dread will be deserted. The Lord will bring upon you and upon your people and upon your father's house such days as have not come since the day that Ephraim departed from Judah, the king of Syria. This is the word of the Lord. We rise from the reading of the gospel. St. Matthew, the first chapter. Glory to you, O Lord. Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him, he took his wife, but he knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. This is the Gospel of the Lord. Praise, Praise to you, O Christ. Christ. Please be seated. We continue with our hymn, Hark the Glad Sound. today in the name of our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. The text for the message comes from the gospel reading from Matthew. Let's pray. Almighty God, we gather to hear your promises and your plan for a Savior. Help us to see him 
and his many blessings. And as we gather, may the words of my mouth, may the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our maker and our redeemer. Amen. In the gospel reading today, we heard an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. It's our text. A week ago, uh, last Sunday night, uh, St. Paul's had their Sunday school Christmas program to tell that Christmas uh, account once again. I have to say that they did a really great job of sharing the joy and the wonder of Christmas, uh, telling the good news that a Savior has been born to save us. Now, there's another story of a, of a Christmas play, and it seems that uh, this little boy was asked to what part he had in the Christmas play, and as kids do, he just sort of went, mm, I sort of shrugged his shoulders, uh, and said he really didn't have much to do after all. Uh, and he said he, he really hoped to be a king, you know, uh, to wear that crown and wear a colorful robe. Uh, or at least he could have been a shepherd and, and had the little staff and maybe a stuffed lamb under his arm. Uh, but he was a quiet boy, so he was, uh, he was chosen to be Joseph. And he said, you know, I don't have much to do. Uh, I don't even have to say anything. And with a good deal of emphasis, he leaned in and says, and I have to sit next to a girl. Yeah. You know, he's right. I mean, we hear but Joseph uh, part in the birth of Jesus, especially in Matthew's gospel here. But again and again, Joseph is told by heavenly messengers what he is supposed to be doing. I mean, when he's wondering what to do with a pregnant fiance who had, had seemed to have been faithful to him, uh, the angel tells him in a dream to marry her. Then, when the life of the baby Jesus and, and Mary's as well are in danger, uh, the angel tells him to escape to Egypt. When Herod is dead and the danger is past, angel appears to him again to say, take the baby and his mother back to Israel. And then there's another dream where, where they are told where they are to go and settle in Nazareth. So Joseph the carpenter, just an ordinary man, Worked in a shop day in and day out. Uh, uh, life was pretty regular and routine. Uh, it appears that he didn't, really didn't look for a whole lot of adventure. Uh, wasn't looking for fame to the point that thousands of years later that people would remember his name. What he was looking for was a quiet life with Mary and the children they would have together. Suddenly he's thrown in this set of events that he could not have imagined in a million years. One day, Mary comes to him and tells him that she's pregnant, explaining, saying, Joseph, uh, you're not a father, but don't worry about it. This is God's doing. Uh, Holy Spirit has caused me to be pregnant. All right? If someone said that to you today, you'd go, yeah, right. Right? I mean, we would have that skepticism. Uh, and, and so how, how, how could he accept this? How would we explain this to Mary's parents? to Joseph's parents, uh, how we'd explain it to the friends, and, and what about the gossip that would come? I mean, it's no wonder this guy seems to be bewildered here, uh, but he swallows his pride and refused to give in to the personal hurt where he could really strike back, and 
and dwells in the thought of, and uh, not dwelling on the thought of what people might, might think of him or how the situation uh, looks to others. Guided by the angel, guided by God, he marries Mary. Marrying a pregnant Mary is something that he was not responsible for. Probably wasn't his idea of a perfect wedding, right? Then of all the times to call a census, the Roman emperor demands that everyone return to their hometown. And so he had to travel to Bethlehem. The journey, uh, I'm sure, was slow because of Mary's condition. Can't find accommodations in uh, Bethlehem, so resting in a stable where Mary gives birth to a son. Not long afterwards, he quietly packs everything up, packing up the baby and Mary and, and traveling as for, probably stealthily through the darkened streets because he feared being discovered by Herod's bloodthirsty troops. And they traveled that dangerous road to Egypt, a strange foreign country, and back again. Uh, a, a few months before all this, uh, Joseph was probably pretty content with a simple life. What an adventure God had taken him on. And you know, even with all these events that turned his life upside down, not one single word from Joseph's lips are recorded in the Gospels. Mary, she sings. Uh, so do old Zechariah and Elizabeth, parents of John the Baptizer. Uh, we still have their songs today. Uh, but Joseph the carpenter, uh, the, the, no songs are left, uh, no songs that he sung are left to us. No dramatic monologues or dialogues or no stirring poetry uh, uh, the, about the, seeing the salvation which God has prepared for all peoples like old Simeon uh, spoke when he uh, held the baby Jesus. Maybe Joseph couldn't hold a tune. <laughs> Maybe he couldn't write poetry. I'm sure he must have said something as he, as he was caught up in the grand purposes of God in that time. He might have been a man of few words, but it's clear he recognized the important role he had. He had an important role in naming the baby, thus giving him a legitimate place in the family tree. Joseph had, had the important task also of protecting Mary and the baby. Like Mary, Joseph was prepared to allow God to, to, to turn his life upside down for the sake of the baby that Mary was carrying. But why should God cause so many problems for them? Uh, uh, why didn't God just create Jesus the way he did Adam and Eve, right? Uh, uh, and, and, and why does God have to do it the difficult way? I mean, it's difficult on Mary and Joseph. It's difficult on, on Jesus because early on he's almost treated as a criminal and difficult on us as we try to understand God's way of doing things. Christian author Phil Yevsi in his book, The Jesus I Never Knew, shares an episode from his youth about the concept of the word becoming flesh. Uh, and when it dawned on him with meaning, this is what he wrote. He said, I learned about incarnation when I kept a salt water aquarium. Management of a marine aquarium I discovered is no easy task. I had to run basically a portable chemical laboratory to monitor the nitrate levels and ammonia content. I pumped in vitamins and antibiotics and sulfur drugs with enough enzymes to make a rock grow. I filtered water through glass fibers and charcoal and exposed it to ultraviolet light. He said, you would think that in view of all the energy I expanded, expended on their behalf, that at least the fish would be grateful. Not so. Every time my shadow loomed over the tank, they dived for cover into the nearest shell. They showed me one emotion only, 
fear. Although I opened the lid and dropped in food on a regular basis three times a day, they responded to each visit as, sure, uh, as a sure sign of my designs to torture them. I could not convince them of my true concern. To my fish, I was a deity. I was too large for them. My actions were incomprehensible. My acts of mercy, they seemed like cruelty to them. And my attempts at healing were viewed as destruction. To change their perceptions, I began to see would require a form of incarnation. I would have to become a fish to speak to them in a language they could understand. Incarnation. That's what happens in the events of Christmas. The incarnation of Jesus becoming in, in human flesh and blood. Even though God is different from us in so many ways, nevertheless, he, he chose to enter our world in the best way possible so that we, fish like you and me, I guess, could see what great love God has for us and to experience how God wants to serve and to help us. Jesus could have come as a prince, right? Appearing on the scene in a flash and cloud of smoke. God had done that in the past with flashes of lightning on Mount Sinai. But to his people, he was always God. They feared him and didn't appreciate his love for them and what he wanted to do for them. So in the end, he became, I guess, a fish, if you will, so that the fish of this tank of this world could understand what God was really trying to tell them. Becoming an embryo in the womb of a mother. God asked two people to be uh, a part of an exceptional event, even though it's gonna dramatically change the direction of their lives. Places into their hands the life of his son. He risks during the nine months of gossip and innuendo that the couple would, would stick to it and stay true to their commitment to be the parents of the Son of the Most High. He risks unsanitary, unsanitary conditions of a stable. And God the Father probably watched like any father as his son emerged smeared in blood in order to face the harshness of the world. He trusts two people to ensure the safety of, of the little child when Herod's jealousy turns into, his, into his insanity. He risks everything, placing his son amongst the people who had a sketchy history of violently rejecting his prophets. At Christmas, God empties himself, if you will. And that's a truth that's fundamental to everything Christians believe. God emptied himself. Uh, the Greek noun kenosis means, means an emptying. We hear this word in Philippians chapter 2 on Palm Sunday, that God uh, became nothing or he emptied himself, depending on your translations, uh, that he set aside. He set aside some of those divine powers and abilities and comes in human flesh and blood and takes up residence in the manger in Bethlehem. It said that uh, Henry David Thoreau uh, once spent a whole day in Walden Pond up to, uh, up to his neck in the water uh, because he wanted to see and experience the world as a frog sees it. But Henry David Thoreau never became a frog. I mean, if he did, that'd probably be closer to what we celebrate on Christmas. God did not swoop down and survey the human situation from a safe distance. Uh, distant, uh, God emptied himself. He lay aside the celestial robes to take on the simple clothing of a man. Divinity clothing itself with dust. An incredible idea. So incredible that many Christians 
a lot of times just pay lip service to it. Because to accept the idea that the babe of Bethlehem is really the incarnate Son of God is to alter every truth with which we comfortably live. And to say that Jesus Christ is the incarnation of the living God is to say that his testimony is unalterably true. And it means that when I go against what he says, I'm not merely asserting my own judgment that I'm fundamentally in error. God emptied himself. Mary, Joseph, Bethlehem, the stable. These were all God's ways of, of, of rolling up his sleeves and getting down to earth, if you will, becoming one of us so that he could talk to us and show us what he's really like, to demonstrate that in no uncertain terms uh, that God loves us and that he is going to do absolutely anything to, to break down the barrier of sin between him and us. He turned the lives of Mary and Joseph upside down for us. And they willingly did what they had to do. They believed. They believed that God, was, uh, that God knew what he was doing. <laughs> they trusted him, even though the birth of this baby is going to mess up everything in their personal lives and their, and their plans for life. In Jesus, God has found a new way of relating to human beings that did not involve fear. In Jesus, God found a way of relating to human beings in a, in a way that they could understand. In Jesus, God found a way to be close to us as possible. In Jesus, God stands alongside of us. In Jesus, God breaks out of one realm of existence, which is something we can't possibly imagine, unbound by time and space, unlimited in power, and entering our existence, bound by time and space and power. He did that to show us how important we are to him. That's why he is called Jesus. He will save his people from their sins. That's why he is called Emmanuel, as we heard in the Old Testament reading. He is God with us. And you know what? I like that sort of God. <laughs> because he's within reach. He's close to us. He's never far away. We can, we can grasp that kind of God. In Jesus' birth, God is making a, a powerful statement about his love for, uh, for us and to what extent he's prepared to go to save you and me. Joseph marries Mary, as the angel told him to. Mary gives birth to a son, and Joseph, he follows through. He named him Jesus because he saves us from our sins. So may God bless you as we rejoice in this wondrous birth. Amen. Please stand. And now may the peace of God that transcends all understanding guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.
Dear friends, let us confess our faith using the words of the Nicene Creed we confess together. I believe in one God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and of all things visible and invisible, and in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God, begotten of his Father before all worlds, God of God, light of light, very God of very God, begotten, not made, being of one substance with the Father by whom all things were made, who for us men and for our salvation came down from heaven and was incarnate by the Holy Spirit of the Virgin Mary and was made man and was crucified also for us under Pontius Pilate. He suffered and was buried. And the third day he rose again according to the scriptures and ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of the Father. And he will come again with glory to judge both the living and the dead, whose kingdom will have no end. And I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord and giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son, who with the Father and Son together is worshiped and glorified, who spoke by the prophets. And I believe in one holy Christian and apostolic church. I acknowledge one baptism for the remission of sins. And I look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Dear friends, go with God's blessing this day. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord look upon you with his favor and give you his peace. Amen. Thank you for joining us in this time of worship. From all of us at St. Paul's Lutheran Church and School, we thank you for listening. More worship opportunities are available on our website at stpaulslutheran.net. Just click worship at the top of the page. May God bless you and your family each and every day. And again, thank you for listening.